I'm Scott Weinberger, journalist and former deputy sheriff. In my new podcast series called Blooded, I'm embedded in the cold case investigation into the death of firefighter Billy Halpern. Experience this investigation in a truly unique way, untangling secrets that may reveal the answers to not only one case, but almost a dozen. Listen to Cold-Blooded, The Apollo Jim Murders on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, guys. Nancy Grace here, host of podcast Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. I've dedicated my life to fighting crime and helping crime victims. For a decade, I prosecuted violent felonies Every day is a mission. Every day is a chance to stop crime and keep one more person safe. Listen to Crime Stories with Nancy Grace on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. Murder in Miami is a production of iHeartRadio. We touched upon the potential for corruption that swirls around the drug trade in our last bonus. It's a topic that came up with former Miami-Dade detective Jeff Lewis and was particularly evident during Miami's darkest policing period in the late 1980s, when at one point, nearly 10% of the entire Miami Police Department was suspended or fired after a drug-related scandal. It seems to me like that was a perfect storm because you had this influx of drug money pouring into the area and you had a need to increase the policing of it, just in terms of the sheer number of the volume of officers who were hired at that time. And did that negatively impact the force? I think it was both a positive and a negative. Uh, both our department and the city of Miami Police Department were in a rush to hire police officers to fill the void. Both departments on a national recruiting effort. And at that time also, I believe like some departments up north, New York and that area, they were laying off officers. So it kind of worked out. And Miami-Dade ended up with officers from all over the north and northeast, as well as the city of Miami, although I think the city of Miami ended up with more local individuals becoming police officers. The problem with that was I don't think they were able to do thorough background investigations or really delve into who they were hiring just because they needed to, again, fill the void. And as a result, individuals slipped through the cracks that turned out to be actually criminals doing police work. And uh, that came to fruition later on with the River Cops case scenario and some other incidents involving police officers. Now, the plus side was they also ended up hiring quite a few excellent police officers that I worked with that came on with me, uh, became detectives or became ranking individuals within the department and were able to guide the department. So it was a it was a uh, a plus and a negative. Uh, Fortunately, I think the plus side uh, came out ahead in the long run. Could you just, in a nutshell, explain what the River Cops case was? 
Yes, the River Cops case was a group of city of Miami uniformed police officers working the midnight shift would go to the Miami River and rob the Haitians that were aboard, the Haitian freighters that would come into Miami. Usually they had uh, multiple kilos of cocaine on board and they would literally load up their police cars with cocaine and take it out. And then from there, they would distribute it, sell it, make money doing it. And a lot of those robberies weren't reported because the Haitians didn't want to get arrested for dealing drugs. And this went on for a, a little while until they hit a uh, boat where the Haitian victims actually jumped off the boat. They were in fear for their lives. And in doing so, a couple of them drowned in the Miami River. This occurred within our jurisdiction. So our homicide unit led by Alex Alvarez assumed the investigation and subsequently arrested 12 or 13 city of Miami uniform officers for this homicide and drug dealing and, and, and snared probably another hundred or so that were caught up one way or another um, in the city of Miami police department. Some not rightfully so, but you know, some were guilty by association. It was a big mess for the city of Miami police department in our department because everyone looked down on the police at that particular time. And, and this was again, during the height of the criminal activity. So it kind of hindered us a little bit as well. But eventually they were all arrested and um, exposed and, and were shut down by our police department. Am I mistaken in believing that also around this time there were actually criminals who would dress up in police uniforms and do, you know, home break-ins? and? Yeah, what, it, what happened was um, eventually, as we found out in, in working in robbery, was that that was in fact occurring where the criminal element, and this this was basically initiated after the Mario moment, when hundreds of thousands of Marielitos were released from prisons and mental wards in Cuba, and they came to Miami, and uh, they needed a job, and they didn't want to work, not all of them, but a lot of them, and they figured out the easiest way to rob a drug dealer was to dress up like a police officer get a uniform or get a shirt that said police, draft up a fake warrant, uh, put the gun belt on, get a fake badge. Anybody could get a badge. You could still get badges today and do it. And pose as police officers. And we started getting these cases. We really didn't know what to think at the time because we were a little baffled by it. And we figured out that it was, in fact, the police impersonators doing these home invasion robberies. And, and they were probably thousands at these different groups acted as police officers to do these home invasion robberies. Wow. I can't imagine how difficult it would have been to have been, you know, a good, honest cop in that time period where you had not only, you know, an element of rogue criminals within the department, but then actual criminals impersonating police officers. Right. It was a... It was definitely unique. And of course, you know, once we figured it out, we started our uh, investigations, sometimes working with the FBI or the DEA or ATF, and we started uh, arresting these gangs. And then you'd, you'd go in and, and start recovering the equipment and the uniforms and the guns. And some of them were better equipped than we were. Some of them had better uh, firepower, more firepower than we did. And uh, they had police radios. I mean, they would buy cars and make them look like police cars. At the police lights, they would do traffic stops on drug dealers. I mean, these guys really took it to the extreme, and they and they made a lot of money doing it. 
because again, a lot of these robberies uh, were not reported initially because the drug dealers didn't want to be uh, identified as drug dealers or, or they didn't want to make themselves known to law enforcement. So unless somebody got hurt or shot or actually killed during one of these robberies, we had no knowledge of it. And then what would happen uh, when we started making arrests and we started getting cooperation from some of these individuals, they would, they would identify locations to us that they had robbed. And we'd check those locations. We would find out that there were no police reports made. And of course, we'd identify those individuals and pass that on to the narcotics detectives. Wow. That's insane. It was crazy. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get the stories that matter to you. I'm Scott Weinberger, journalist and former deputy sheriff. In my new podcast series, Cold-Blooded, I'm embedded in the cold case investigation into the death of firefighter Billy Halpern. Experience this investigation in a truly unique way, untangling secrets that may reveal the answers to not only one case, but almost a dozen. Listen to Cold-Blooded, The Apollo Jim Murders on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, guys. Nancy Grace here, host of podcast Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. I've dedicated my life to fighting crime and helping crime victims. For a decade, I prosecuted violent felonies. Every day is a mission. Every day is a chance to stop crime and keep one more person safe. Listen to Crime Stories with Nancy Grace on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast.